Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in today's episode, a snapshot of some of the things going on in the UK television sector. Adam Minns, Executive Director of the Association of Commercial Broadcasters, COBA, offers his assessment of the challenges facing members, which include the likes of Sky, Disney, Discovery and NBC Universal. Matilda Wiley, General Manager of West London Film Studios, tells us how the company's coping with the previously booming TV production business that's now ground to a halt. But first, John McVeigh, Chief Executive of the Producers Alliance for Cinema and Television, talks about the work the organisation has been doing to ensure the nation's independent producers remain on track during such difficult times. PACT champions the interests of over 450 independent producers and was integral in drawing up legislation allowing such companies to retain rights to their shows, laying the foundation for the sector to flourish. British TV exports reached record levels last year, higher than at any point in the past two decades, according to PACT's annual industry survey. Sales of series like Bodyguard, Killing Eve, Chernobyl and Blue Planet 2 generated $1.8 billion for the UK economy from 2018 to 19. But with most production now on hiatus, that's set to change and McVeigh's attentions are focused on working with stakeholders across the industry to sustain its market-leading position and disproportionately high contribution to the UK economy. The organisation, together with the BBC, ITV, Sky, Channel 4 and Viacom, last week called on the British government to support freelancers, and the BBC and ITV both announced funds to help support independent producers yesterday, when C21's Inigo Alexander spoke with McVeigh. Our first um, priorities were obviously to help companies who were going having to terminate or delay production and give advice on, on that, which um, were, that was quite a protracted and very difficult period. Uh, alongside that, we were engaging with government around support for SMEs, you know, the job retention scheme, the small business loan scheme, and also around this year around freelancers because unlike the rest of the UK economy, the creative industries have very high levels of freelance and self-employed. So um, literally in the same breath of saying help business, we were also saying help all the other micro businesses that that we work with as well so um, but clearly the prioritization and structure of that was something that the government took a view about but um, because in terms of how the overall UK economy is I think it's about 90 percent of everyone who works as any staff type uh, job so it was the government decided which parts of the economy to prioritize and support first but that doesn't mean to say that we weren't from very early stages, highlighting the peculiarities and the particular difficulties uh, that this crisis was having on the audiovisual economy. And the COVID crisis is obviously having a large impact on the whole industry. It's not just freelancers, it's not just producers, it's not just screenwriters. Everyone has got their back against the wall. Uh, but who do, you, who do you think has fallen on the most tough of times? Who do you think is really bearing the brunt of the COVID crisis? Well, I think everyone is. I mean, basically, revenue earnings... Uh, have dried up. Most producers are on very low margins on production in the UK. So um, if shows are cancelled or delayed, you're not getting the cash flow in, you're not getting those uh, margins in, uh, which means it's very difficult to retain staff, to invest in R&D, because effectively you're burning through your reserves just to stay alive. So while I have um, lots of sympathy for people who are freelance, 
who are, uh, are in the same position. I mean, most of those uh, employers, you know, they're not big fat cats. Um, they're very small businesses with very limited reserves. And one of the key issues, uh, if we do not see a way to support those businesses so that they're able to win commissions, win work, and then hire freelancers to work for them on productions going forward, then that will make the recovery even more difficult because you won't have the production companies there to pitch the ideas, win the work and get into production. Over the last couple of years, the domestic UK industry has, has been quite focused on developing national talent and sort of establishing itself uh, in the bigger picture as one of the main players. You know, what do you think or how far back rather do you think the, the COVID crisis is going to set back that ambition to try and get British content and British productions to the highest value? British producers will be out in the market just as soon as that market's open for business and knowing what it can commission and uh, and so on. So I think it's the, the UK is clearly one of the important global hubs for uh, global television. Hopefully that won't change, but you know, without getting a lot of visibility on on some of the logistical issues which impact on production, it is quite hard to know when we get we get back into the big ambitious projects that those global buyers um, traditionally like to buy from British producers. How do you expect British indies to be able to cope with the COVID crisis? Is there anything that they could particularly do to try and mitigate the negative impacts? Well, I mean, one of the things we we started raising very earlier on was, and it is good to see responses on this from both ITV and BBC today, is get R&D spending into Indies, keep them working, keep them being creative, keep them developing projects. So as and when the broadcasters are back into uh, commissioning rounds, you actually have a whole range of product that's ready to go, that's been developed, and you've helped those companies get through very uh, fallow times. So I think that's a good response. Um, it's not great if you have to furlough people. It's always better to try and keep people working if you can afford to do so, because then they're being productive, then they're coming up with ideas and uh, the broadcasters stepping up to the plate to put, make more money available for that, I think is a, is a good thing. Will it be enough? Uh, well, that's hard to say because we don't know how long this is going to go on for. And for you guys at PACT, how has the pandemic changed the usual workings for you? I mean, does, has it affected how you can work and, and cooperate with the UK industry? How has it changed things for you? No, I mean, we've all become very good at Zoom and we've all become very good at uh, doing that. But fundamentally, we... We've maintained a full service. We will continue to do that. You know, that's that's our commitment to our members. They've invested in us as a, uh, an association to look after them. And, you know, this is when we put more effort in to help them get through these difficult times. Um, and that's what we're doing. Uh, and that means working across the industry. That's why I was signatory to a letter with uh, ITV and others on Friday, calling on the Chancellor to do more to help freelance and self-employed. So we, we you know, th those things continue apace. But of course, you know, we're, we're in a, a, a challenging times and clearly uh, we're not all getting in a room, although we are all getting in virtual rooms through Zoom. And we're holding regular weekly webinars for PACT members, which we give them updates on all the schemes, what we're talking to the broadcasters about, what the issues are, uh, and they're proven to be really popular. I mean, uh, last week, I think we had over 300 companies signed up for one of our webinars. 
You mentioned the freelance measures introduced there by the government recently. What is your interpretation of them? Do you think that they are an efficient response or an effective response to the crisis, or do you think perhaps they're they're slightly lacking? Well, I mean, I think everyone has raised the government some of the problems and peculiarities of um, how our industry works. We we have a very broad range of different types of employment status, etc. And I think the government is listening and it's trying to respond as best as it can. I mean, clearly they have to come up with something that has a start date that does certain things. But every day we're seeing further clarifications uh, and responses. I mean, the problem you have is. It wasn't like the Treasury were sitting there with a pandemic-ready baked set of measures. They're having to make it up as they go along and deal with, you know, something that most people couldn't have foreseen in terms of the economic impacts. I mean, when we had the recession over 10 years ago, by and large, that didn't have a major impact on the real economy. While this is an impact across the whole economy, both both the, the financial one and, and the real economy. So, so um, while some will be frustrated that they're not doing enough, I think they're moving pretty fast and, you know, we've yet to see applications being made to the job retention scheme. The freelance scheme doesn't open until June. I'm sure that's going to throw up lots of issues around application processes and timescales and when payments happen. And, you know, we'll be there to help our members navigate all that and feedback to government how things can be improved. So so I think this, you know, this, this is a moment for industry, both employers, unions and government to try and work together to get through this so that one of the world's most successful audiovisual economies comes out in pretty good shape at the other end of it. And do you think that perhaps the role of television has changed now since basically the large proportion of the population around the world is stuck at home? A lot of them are just watching more TV to pass the time. Do you think that that's going to change the role that people uh, see TV have in their lives? Uh, well, I think TV or TV content or entertainment has always been really important. And in fact, if you look over the years, I've had so many people going, oh, TV is dead. You go, well, actually, more people are watching more TV-like content than ever in history. So the idea that somehow the medium is dead is just is a nonsense. And, and maybe this will clearly show that the role of creative industries, the role of creativity, the role of British content in people's lives when people feel remote and disconnected is probably more important than ever and I think that's a vindication of our public service broadcasting the fact that we have a whole range of other values uh, in the content which I think do connect with people but clearly one of the big things that will come out of this is just how important good news is. And you'll find good news in British television from Sky to the BBC. You know, good news sources during a national crisis or global crisis is critical to uh, people's understanding of what's happening and their connection to everyone else. A couple of months before this all, the crisis took off, Tony Hall from the BBC announced that he was stepping down, he was resigning. And obviously the BBC started their hunt to find um, the the next successor. Do you think that now that this crisis has come about, you've foreseen see that maybe Tony Hall might stick around for a bit longer? Uh, Well, he might do in the short term, but I think it's important once the BBC is in a position to do so, that it moves on with getting the next Director General. It'll be a different world. But, you know, the BBC, uh, you know, bear in mind everyone else is seeing the look at the impact on the commercial broadcasters. You know, the BBC is secure. It gets its money. It's one of the few solid bits of architecture in our system or how it spends that money where it spends it and what uh, and its role and purpose uh, is more important than ever and i think the sooner the bbc can get someone who will be able to understand all of that and, put, and you know potentially change its direction or flex its direction i think the better 
And just to finish off then, do you think that there are any sort of silver linings to this all? I mean, it's a quite bleak time for everyone within the industry. It's all trying times, but do you think there is a silver lining at all? Well, right now, I mean, I think um, given that nearly every broadcaster on the planet has seen their pipeline dry up, I imagine um, we'll see increased revenues for distribution over the next period. But that will be a short-term gain because there won't be new content coming into the pipeline for the foreseeable future. So I think there are there will be you know a blip, the corona blip on distribution because there's more buyers looking to fill up the schedules and they want content. And thankfully, you know, the UK is uh, the second biggest distributor. So hopefully, you know, people are spending money with us. And also critically, the UK independent producers can survive this partly because because they own their IP through the terms of trade and they can get revenues when there's virtually no other money coming in the door. Pact's chief executive John McVeigh speaking with Inigo Alexander. Another UK trade body, COBA, represents the interests of the country's commercial broadcasters, with members including Sky, Disney, Discovery, NBC Universal, A&E Networks, AMC Networks International and others. COBA has in recent years been particularly vocal over its concerns regarding Brexit and the relocation of international broadcast playout facilities to other countries. But now the organisation's executive director, Adam Minns, fears that COVID-19 might force some channels off air completely. He told C21's Ed Waller. Obviously, I guess most people are now working remotely. Um, there's core functions which need to go in, you know, need to happen on sites that can range from things like journalism to the technical and engineering people. So they're they're travelling. I mean, I know people, you know, companies have sort of provided cars and things so people aren't using public transport um, and you know trying to keep that as minimal as possible in the, the number of people going in so it was very good you know the government said that news journalists and um, you know essential broadcast staff including technicians were essential workers so we're allowed to get you know school cover and are allowed to travel as well so that's good you know obviously revenues are just going to be sort of smashed across the board i mean there's more people viewing telly but advertising has been hit subscriptions i would expect are going to be hit you know if there's if there's no sport to show uh you know everything from you know including sort of theme parks and things will be obviously hit as well so you know there's going to be a long-term economic um impact do you think it's um that there is some upside in the sense that there's more people watching tv while they're self-isolating is that going to have any uh, sort of payback for those uh struggling broadcasters i mean advertising advertising's crashed subscriptions you know subscriptions we'll see i don't i mean you know what the net effect will be um, i don't know to be honest so you know they're, they're possible possible that you know you people more people will subscribe but I mean, equally you know people are economically hit and um like i said you know a lot of events that were the locomotives have been have been scrapped as well so that's that's not going to help it's to be honest Ed, uh, you know, uh, i can't see how this is going to be economically good in any way how do you think the lack of a, original production will impact the broadcasters as well that's going to add an extra layer of pain isn't it yeah it it, it will obviously be devastating for the production sector you know i think that you know the, that that crisis is already hit and, and you know the production's basically cancelled isn't it um so 
it's obviously terrible. Do you think the um, the Chancellor's measures that he unveiled for production companies and more recently freelancers are, are enough? Yeah, well, I mean, so far, I would say yes. The, the issue for freelancers is when it's available because I think you can't claim until June. So that's that's a problem. But, I mean, you know, to be fair, so so far, I think the government's been very responsive to, to concerns. You know, everyone's, uh, you know, they're, they're listening very closely to everything and, and doing what they can. What are other concerns that your members are sort of uh, voicing to you or expressing to you that you could share with us? Well, I think our big concern at the moment, other than the long-term economic impact that this is going to have, is if... Um, restrictions tighten to make sure that essential core workers can still travel to get you know to make sure that tv screens don't actually go blank that that's my number one because uh, at the moment but honestly Ed, it's sort of changing every day there might be tomorrow tomorrow there might be a, a different number one concern how far away do you think we are from channels going dark well i mean like i said it's still it's you need to have a certain amount of engineers and technicians and key workers on site so as long as that's happened then then we're fine but i'm just saying that you know our concern is that, that they, those people continue to be able to travel to work cobra executive director adam mins surging demand for tv drama has put pressure on the uk studio space in recent years and in the past 12 months major players like pinewood have signaled plans for expansion with both disney and netflix signing long-term leases for stages backlots and associated operations comcast sky last year announced the creation of a new state-of-the-art facility in elstree with plans to provide more than 2,000 jobs but across the board production is now on hold Michael Picard, editor of C21's Drama Quarterly magazine, spoke with Matilda Wiley, general manager of West London Film Studios, a somewhat smaller player, but one who's played host to series including Killing Eve, The Halcyon and Episodes, to find out how the business was coping. So we're an an independently owned studio um, and we have five stages, um, offices, ancillary space, sort of the usual stuff you'd get in a film studio. Um, We're quite a small staff team, so there's only six of us here who run the studio. And we sort of mostly cater, I suppose, for for TV dramas, feature films, and sometimes commercials and music videos as well. We recently completed Killing Eve season three, um, so we did the first two seasons as well. So they're they're always great to have here. So they've got some amazing sets. We had... um, Villanelle's Parisian flat and things like that here so it's, it's really nice like it's kind of funny to be walking around those and then come out and you're in the middle of Hayes industrial estate <laughs> it's an unusual situation but it's it's very cool and w- what was business like you know maybe um, you know at the start of the year maybe just towards the end of, of last year I mean what would typically your kind of diary look like in terms of the number of productions you'd have in or the bookings that you would have for the next months and, and years ahead yeah I mean we were we were set to have obviously our business this year yet so it is obviously a little bit disappointed I don't think we'll necessarily get as close to that as we thought but um yeah it's been I mean it was it was crazy busy at the beginning of the year we had so many people looking for space and you know only so many stages to fill but we were close to being completely occupied until the end of the year so it was yeah it was looking to be really really busy and that's just um I mean that's a product of you know the drama boom isn't it in in recent years I guess particularly in the UK studio space is is just at such a premium at the 
the moment that you know everywhere you look studios are, are full exactly yeah yeah i mean we, we've also been looking to expand so that's something that we're, we're slowly working on at the moment but obviously it has been put on hold a little bit just to see how this pans out and, and so i mean what were kind of the first steps that you took once you kind of thought as far as outbreak is actually gonna have a quite a big impact on the business what were some of those first thoughts and, and steps that you took to kind of react um yeah so i mean i i, I personally feel like it, it happened quite quickly here so um when we started hearing about it more and more on the news we did you know implement measures such as like additional cleaning hand sanitizer stations but i mean production seemed to carry on as normal at the beginning um, and we were still getting tons of inquiries through and then almost overnight actually we went from hundreds of calls inquiring about space to hundreds of calls cancelling their pencils and bookings and then our biggest production moved out quite quickly i'd say within a couple of days from that starting to happen and they were in sort of early prep so they were due to stay with us until about august um, and then we had a smaller production who managed to keep going through until the end of their shoot but this was sort of pre-lockdown so now we're in lockdown we have no clients on site whatsoever and, and i mean how many people do you have on site if if, if anyone what kind of operation are you, are you running at the moment so we're, we're a small staff team anyway so there's usually only six of us so we've just split our shifts in in half so we do a morning shift with three people and an afternoon shift with three people so this is mostly just for like maintenance of the of the studio because we obviously have a building that we need to look after and just to deal with any clients that need to pop in and finish off anything or collect anything or, or whatnot and and i mean what kind of plans then are you are you making if if any for such point as as this passes and and production is able to to ramp up again um so yeah so just at the moment we are just focusing on general sort of maintenance and things like that and obviously um just making sure the building's safe and up to scratch ready for them to come back but i'm most mostly focusing on um, talking to the productions who are on hiatus or have cancelled and in case they want to come back once this is over um, and we're kind of discussing how we can work with the projects who are booked later in the year to accommodate everyone and come to a, a reasonable solution to suit all parties so hopefully we can accommodate both the people that have gone on hiatus and the ones that are coming in later to try and come to some sort of agreement between them so that's what I'm sort of trying to work on at the moment it's obviously quite difficult because it's a in an evolving situation but um yeah so we're, we're just in touch with them and trying to figure it out from there i mean what are they telling you you know producers and and people on on the kind of creative and financial side of of those productions uh, about what they're doing at the moment and, and when they imagine they might be able to get back to work i mean it is quite unclear at the moment so i think you know the projects that seem to have been booked with us from say july time they seem quite happy to continue with that um, but anything before that is is very uncertain at the moment I mean, what impact then do you imagine this will have on studios such as yours and, and the others around the country when things do pick up? Are you obviously working with a finite amount of space that you can lease out? So is it just a case of honouring you know, what bookings you can and, and trying to fit other people in? Or do you imagine there's going to be just a huge crush for you know, a demand for space later in the year? Yeah, so I mean, as we sort of said earlier, there's, there's always been a shortage of, of studio space in the UK anyway. So this is going to put a lot of additional pressure on that situation but I, I just think it will be a matter of us all like talking about it and having like sensible conversations to try and work out the best way forward so I know that the guys we've got booked in from July they're very aware that there's a project in before them that might be keen to finish up here so they've been quite flexible so we've just been trying to have conversations where you know playing out all the different scenarios looking at their schedules and trying to work together to fit everyone in. Sky are talking about building a new sort of studio you know others are considering expansion I mean what can the studios do more to accommodate you know the demand for 
for facilities. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the only thing we we can really do is is look to expand and try and um, accommodate more productions. There's, there's there's only so much that we can fit in at the moment. We have obviously looked to do an expansion because we feel that it's time for us to to take that step. Um, and we do try and schedule everyone in very sensibly to get as many people in as possible. But we have found that lots of people are building really, really big studios. So we sort of aimed mostly for for the kind of medium size, maybe like British indie kind of type project size. Because um, I think that's what's lacking the most. So that's what we've sort of gone for with our plans. So we'll see, see what happens with those over the next um, few months. Matilda Wiley, General Manager of West London Film Studios, talking with Drama Quarterly Editor Michael Picard. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from us tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 